We're back with another episode of the Bench Mob Podcast. What's up? What's up? How you feeling, my boy? Good. I'm trying to stay cool. It's hot. It's hot out here. Yeah, it's still in temperature ain't dropping. Um, speaking of things being hot, it is hot currently in Florida, obviously, for one of the biggest places with the coronavirus. The numbers are still high, keep going up. It's creating an issue for the MLB. The uh, Marlins had to cancel their game due to the virus spread. A lot of their players actually tested positive for it. Um, MLB just came out saying that all games are postponed for the Marlins through Sunday, which is six games. What's your thoughts on how this is going so far for uh, baseball with them starting off? This game's already being canceled. Players getting it on their Games being postponed, schedules having to be changed. Like the Yankees had to substitute and put uh, the Orioles on their schedule. So, what's your thoughts on how the uh, MLB is handling this so far? I mean, I like that we're playing the Orioles now because those, those are a couple easy wins. But as far as like the the virus goes in baseball, it's it's not a good look. Just because, as you can see, it could wipe out a whole team essentially in a day and now they can't play for the next week until something happens until exactly i mean they've made uh, they've tried to make changes to it a little bit with like how many people are on the opening day roster you know having basically using the minor league team as a, a shuttle, just in uh-huh. case something like this happens. So people get the virus, then you send the people up from the minor leagues and replace them that way. But right now it's kind of tough because there was 14 people that tested positive for it on the Marlins. And on top of that, they just played a team who now they have to self-quarantine because of the Marlins. So it's kind of like this could definitely happen to any team at any point during the season. And it's, it's mainly about health. So I wonder, is MLB going to, like, shut it down at some point if this keeps happening? Like, a team has more than 10 people, more than half the roster with the virus. Are you going to keep trying to play, or are you going to shut it down and try to come up with a different plan? Because they're still going to have to travel. All these teams still have to travel yeah. to – different places it's different than like MLB I mean uh the NBA and NHL where they have a a bubble set up set up so it's kind of like let's see what MLB does it's a 60 game season trying to get it done in two months so it's kind of rushed already and now it feels even crazier with this this happening to the Marlins yeah with this it's it just makes me look at the NBA and NHL and, like, why didn't the MLB and the NFL do the same thing? With the, the traveling, I'm sure we're going to see some of this in the NFL. And even with them having the minor leagues to ship players up, you got teams, like, for example, I believe it was Atlanta was supposed to go play them. The players voted, we're not going down there. So even if you ship the players up, if players don't feel comfortable going in a situation where, for example, the Marlins, where 14 of your players have tested positive for coronavirus, 
Y'all had to shut it down. It's a peak spot where Corona is in Florida, period. Traveling there is a risk in general, period, right there. I don't think, you know, they fully thought this through. Like, I don't know if it's, hey, we want to do things our own way in the league, but I think everybody should have followed the NBA and NHL. Put it in a bubble. They tried. Put, put the they strict proposed. restrictions. Yeah, they tried doing that. They proposed uh, the bubble thing, the bubble uh, scenario to everybody, the players, and they shot it down. They didn't want to do it. So that's kind of – I mean – Yeah, I'm not blaming the players because I get it. You don't want to be away from your family just how – like the NBA doesn't want to be away from their family too. But, I mean – Safety comes first, and if you're still out in the open playing games every day, going to and from the stadium, there's there's a lot of opportunities for you to get the virus and bring it back to the clubhouse. And you're then, putting your family at risk regardless if you're doing that. Exactly. Like, I know it's tough for the NBA players. You know, you can't uh, – outside of these family emergency situation, you can't see them. But in the end, you know – it's pretty, that's actually protecting your family. Look, let me yeah. stay where I'm at and not put you in that situation. You saw one of the NFL players uh, from the Eagles, uh, Marcus Goodwin. Hey, I'm not going to play because I'm concerned for my family. You know, they're going to be flying this stadium or that stadium, and then I'm going to come back home. Hey, no, that's not the wisest thing unless, you, like you say, you're able to do the bubble, but they voted it down. Um, I, I think, like I said, you'll see some of this in the NFL, honestly. Uh, I think because of the traveling, um, unless, you know, we see the, the numbers go down and a cure comes about by the time the NFL season starts, if not, you'll see some of these things. Um, NFL is supposed to proceed as usual. Certain states are allowing fans to be there. Some aren't. Um, with the NFL, one of the things that happened recently which I know hits home for you, Jamal Adams was finally traded by his request to the Seahawks. Um, <laughs> I got to ask you first, what's your thoughts? Who's the winners in this, losers? Um, and, of course, we got to touch on the Le'Veon Bell perspective on it. But um, <laughs> how do you feel about this Jamal Adams trade? Like, I don't, I don't mind it. We got all that we got for him. And we also got a starting safety to take his place, too, on top of the couple first-round picks and third-round pick that we got. So I kind of – I think it's a win-win just because clearly the Seahawks are going for it all right now. Otherwise, why would you make this trade? Like, you have a good team. You don't need to trade assets. But if you really want to make that defense like it used to be, like the Legion of Boom, then you try to get – disgruntled safety who wants out who wants to win right now and you just happen to have Jamal Adams who is available so I think I mean do you, do you even think that puts them over the 49ers though in that same division is that really going to put them over the, that hump like they forget even getting to the Super Bowl are y'all even better than the 49ers now with Jamal Adams it could be you never know because this season is going to be a lot different too because it's going through this pandemic. Like you've seen people can get the virus and they have to sit out. So what happens if, say, Jimmy G 
has to sit out a game against the Seahawks because he has the virus, then you, you're, at, you're at a disadvantage. So it's kind of like we're, we're looking at a, a different age of sports this year where there's just this unknown of what, what's going to happen if someone gets the virus, if multiple people with the team get the virus, what's going to happen in the NFL. But as far as like the Jamal Adams trade goes, it kind of is a win-win for both teams. Like the Jets were not like looked at as a Super Bowl contender just yet, but these picks could turn into us being in that conversation in the next couple of years. So I'm, it sucks to see Jamal go because he was, he was a dog. He was like one of my favorite players on the team just because of how hard he went, like every play. But then again, you look at the off the field stuff and he's not getting arrested or anything like that, but he's just doing too much, just being extra and creating issues where there aren't really any to be be made. And besides like wanting a new contract, which is understandable, but you also got to understand that the money's not coming in like it was before. Like it's yeah. a little different now because of the whole virus and the TV revenue and you're not making money off of fans this year besides watching on TV, but it's, you didn't really get that. And we'll see. I mean, I just, I think that the Jets come out more of a winner in this than the, the Seahawks do just because they're going to get this player who, he said he's, he's not going to expect a contract just yet, but at the same time, he wants to be the top paid safety. He wants to be like one of the top paid defensive players in the league Yeah, for a team that's like famous for not trying to pay their top defensive players. It's kind of like, all right, let's see what happens in the next year. If, if the tune changes, cause it's not, it's like the AD trade for the Lakers. Like you have to resign him. Like you, you gave up all of that. For yeah, him. you got a choice. At that you, point, you have to resign it. When I when I look at it, I feel we have to see how the season plays out. If they don't get over the hump or make a deep playoff run, get a game away from the Super Bowl, the defense is top five, something along those lines, then it's a loss. You gave up a lot for Jamal Adams, who we know is an elite talent, but still, two first-round draft picks. I didn't think we were going to that much. <laughs> that's that's it's funny. It's so funny that we got that much because of how much he was chirping off the field. Like, that usually brings someone's value down because you're like, all right, this guy clearly – A distraction. He's a, locker room. He's, a dis- he's a distraction and – do I really want to bring somebody in my locker room like that? It's kind of like the AB Odell effect in a way. But, hey, Jamal's good, so you got to take the good with the bad. And hopefully there's more good than bad in, in Seattle for him. Hopefully. Um, one thing that we'll be looking forward to is that week 14 matchup with the Jets. Uh, Le'Veon Bell made sure to tweet his disgust and his feelings on the trade um, and how Jamal Adams went about it. And it seems as if he was alluding that, you know, Jamal Adams said some stuff to get him to come to New York. And 
promised him some stuff, and he didn't live up to whatever, I guess, his pitch was to get him to come to New York. Um, are you looking forward to this matchup? It depends on where we are in the season at that point. It's just like we're out of contention, and, I mean, it's it's just another game, I guess. But if we're, like, competing, like, to win the division, then, yeah, it has a little more significance where we, we might have to mm. win that game, and it'll feel even better to beat Jamal after he was running his mouth all offseason. And – I mean, I think Le'Veon's going to have a good year this year. I, I've seen the way he's been training. You you hear how he's talking. He's motivated. Like, people really sleeping on him right now because of that down year last year. But I know why that was. It was no line. It was poor play calling. A lot of factors came into that. So, I think another year in the system, he'll, he'll do a lot better. But – it's going to get spicy that week 14. I know those two are going to be chirping back and forth because Jamal, everybody knows he talks the whole game. <laughs> Le'Veon, he talks a little bit too. So <laughs> it's going to be fun. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting. I just always find it um, find it interesting seeing uh, like these Twitter beefs that you see with the, uh, the athletes. Like even uh, you think about Jim Butler and TJ Warren. Uh, I was looking forward to that. They sounded like they really wanted smoke, but then the pandemic uh, prevented that from happening. But they had it both circling on their calendar, you know, calling uh, some uh, offensive names and such to each other. So I was looking forward to it. I always find it funny. Um, sometimes they'll go to Twitter first, you know, and they still got the person's number where they could have this conversation. And they yo, I don't appreciate this, but I guess that uh, day and age we live in, we go to social media first to express our feelings, which is uh, interesting in itself. Transitioning to the WNBA, basketball is back. NBA first official games will start tomorrow on Thursday. The WNBA has already started. They made some uh, big... I guess you could say changes in regards of their approach to Black Lives Matter. Um, not changes for them, but it was a big stand-up that they have on all the players. You know, they have the Breonna Taylor on the back of their jersey. They actually left both teams. They've been on the same page as teams leaving during the national anthem. What are your thoughts on how the WNBA has been approaching the Black Lives Matter? As we, we've seen in their history, though, they're pretty much solid when it comes to social injustice, when it comes to uh, equal rights, when it comes to the LGBTQ community. They've always been outspoken and making sure, hey, we're going to show our support. So what are your thoughts on how they've been doing thus far to WBA? I think they've been solid. They've been probably the best league so far approaching this situation that's happening in our country just because they were given the freedom to put whatever they want on the on the back of their jersey and it looked like as a collective they all chose to put Breonna Taylor on the back of their jerseys to send a message that these cops still haven't been arrested all these months later we're still waiting for for justice and you're going to keep hearing about it until we get it 
So then they, they spoke before the game and they said what they said. But then I think the most impactful thing was when they just, during the national anthem, they just walked off in the first game. First game of the WNBA season, they just walked off. And it's kind of like, we're not really with disrespecting the flag where you guys just continue not to get it. You think it's about the flag and it's really not. We're trying to bring awareness to different situations that are, they hit close to home to us. So, I mean, I wish the NBA could have done it the same way the WNBA is doing it, just because they are on such a a much bigger platform than the WNBA is. Like, imagine if the WNBA had the stain, the same stain that the NBA has. They don't, and that's it's not any fault to them. It's just really just how it is at this point in time. But if the NBA was allowed to put whatever they wanted to on the back of their jerseys and and just walk off the court, I mean, I don't know. They might do something like that the first game tomorrow. So we'll see. But I, I like the way the WNBA approached it. Yeah, speaking on, uh, like, the WNBA and, like, the platform, I, I think it, like you said, the exposure and everything, like the fact that, shout out to Kyrie, he decided to donate $1.5 million towards, you know, the WNBA players that decided not to play either through – injury, the social injustice, or the coronavirus. But the fact that that's, what, a, a fifth, a tenth of his salary, and that can cover all the, the WM players that's not playing, that says a lot. Again, like, they're, they're making some progress with how the locker rooms are, the traveling, or uh, the athletes that get pregnant. Like, they're making changes, but – it still is a long way to go. A tenth of his salary can cover players that decided not to play. That should say a lot right there alone on the exposure and the state of the league where they're at. Um, but I know what came out before we hopped on the show, the Jazz and the Pelicans planned to kneel during the National Anthem on Thursday. Adam Silver, he says, I respect peaceful, peaceful protests. So I think we'll see that. Um, do I think it's as impactful, maybe as a WNBA, game, both teams walking out completely? I would rather see them walk out completely, but being that it's a bigger platform, then Millen still was going to say a lot because especially people have been waiting for basketball to come back. All eyes will be on opening night. So that first game, Maybe it's not as many people watching the Pelicans in a jazz type game, but I'd love to see, for example, Lakers Clippers. Everybody is tuning in to see that Lakers Clippers game, and they're going to see how they respond. Mm-hmm. We like, to see a LeBron, biggest athletes right now. You got LeBron, Kawhi, Paul George, AD, all in the same court. Let's see how they respond to everything. What's going to be their statement? So I think that'll be. Huge to see um, who so far. It's only been two games into the season. Who are you looking at as the favorites to win this year? I know I got Seattle Storm in there. Brianna Stewart coming back. Sue Bird coming back. Um, I'm a Sparks fan. I'm gonna say that my Sparks will be in the mix with Candace Parker, Simone Augustus, and 
Lee McKay, that mix, I think, once they get the chemistry and all that going with my man Derek Fisher coaching, it'd definitely be uh, – <laughs> it'll definitely be in the mix. I, I know you don't like D-Fish, uh, but what's your uh, – who, who's your favorites? I'm, I would say Seattle. They're the favorite right now. I mean, getting those two back. Also, the Mystics, too. I mean, because they won last year, and they basically have the same team coming back. Plus, you know, hopefully they start using Maisha a little more. Shout out Maisha from Montclair. She, they need to start using her more because she's good. But we'll see. That could be a determining factor on how good they can get. And I also like the the Phoenix Mercury with Tarasi, Brittany Griner, and they got Skylar Diggins now too. So once that chemistry starts to click a little bit, then that's when I think that they'll they'll be dangerous because Brittany Griner is a beast still. Like, she's unstoppable. So if you have her, plus probably maybe even the greatest basketball player, like women's basketball player of all time and Tarasi, and you add Skylar Diggins at point, then that's a big three right there that some teams can't really compete with. Yeah, I think they'll be a, definitely a, a dark horse. They just got to – when you feel me get the chemistry going. Uh, the thing with WNBA season, you know, it's nowhere near as long as the NBA season. So they have a shorter time to, hey, we got to get the chemistry, we got to get things flowing. Where you like it at, where you like the passes at, all that, it takes longer, but they have that shorter time period to do it. So for those teams that's able to come together and be able to automatically get the, you know, the success early and keep it going, it's like a big shout out to them because we see the NBA. It takes them some time. We talking about after All Star break. All right, they in they flow now. They got a chemistry going. That's where it's tough. Washington, they not missing a beat. Deladon and Tina Charles hasn't even played a game yet. They two and zero. It's interesting, like you said, to see once those two come back, are they still going to use Maisha properly? Right. It's good always when your star players aren't there, the role players get minutes, and they're able to produce. What it should be once the stars come back, the role players still get minutes. minutes, Mm -hmm. And they're going to play better. Now they're around greatness, and it makes it easier for them. Imagine Deladon and and Tina Charles back, how much space now Maisha is going to have to get busy. Where, all right, she's not the number one option. She's the third option, but could be a number one option. That's, that's spooky right there. That, that can get spooky. Um, you made a face, you know, when I mentioned Fish. I'm pretty sure that's in regards to his coaching. Um, you're not really a fan of him as a coach. Are you a fan of the new hire of Tom Thibodeau to the Knicks? Is that the right choice for New York? I think so. I, th- I like the I like the hire just because it's a a, a battle tested coach who's been through it with the the Bulls years ago. But he's kind of he's he's a good coach. People like to get on him for running people's minutes up, and as like that's a thing. But then you look back on it, and it's like they might have only been playing like two more minutes than they usually were before he was the coach there. So it's kind of like you can, you can use that determination, but 
like the stars are going to play minutes. They're going to play big minutes. That's on every team. So uh, it's kind of like a a weightless complaint that people have against <laughs> Thibodeau. Um, but it's going to be different because the other two places he went to coach, he was going there and expecting to make the playoffs. They were already built for playoffs, I guess, in a way. But now coming to New York where it's a lot of young players on this team that aren't necessarily ready to make a playoff push just yet. That's what my concern is, man. But that just comes down to, like, who his assistant coaches are and who who he puts on his staff, who who can come in and help with the player development. Because these players, the, the coaching that we've had the last couple of years has been terrible. And they they get to a point where they're coaching for their job more than they're coaching to help the players get better and all that stuff. That's what happened with Fisdale. That's what happened with D. Fish whenever he was coaching. I don't even count that. Um, and even when Hornacek was here, he was – they draft all these young guys and expect them to get better when they don't play them <laughs> minutes in the game. They they have short leashes. So it's kind of, I don't Trier. know. Yeah, with Trier. But we know what happened with, with Trier. It's whatever with that. He's probably better off finding a different team anyways because it was getting crowded for him. But I think Tibbs could take these guys to the next level. And defensively, that's the main thing with Tibbs is how good of a defensive coach he is. So that's been one of the issues is defense for the Knicks over the last few years. I mean, we have a couple guys who are, are good on defense, like RJ's good on defense. We all, we all know Mitch is good on defense. And I think Tibbs could take those guys to the next level. And it's all about what they're doing in the offseason too. You always wonder, like, how they're using their 24 hours every day. And Mitchell oh, Robs, how he using his. <laughs> He's not going to be doing that anytime soon. Let's just pick up. Not, not in Tibbs' offense. No, not in Tibbs' offense. But it does show that there's room for growth. He's not just he, – he doesn't have to be just a Clint Capella, just a pick-and-roll, dunk everything at the rim type of – type of guy he could keep working at it develop a, a mid-range jumper some post moves but his main thing is defense and that's where Tibbs comes in and he could really unlock how good he could be hopefully you know not hating but hopefully we get Randall out of here because he's just clogging space doing unnecessary spin moves whenever he can and he's just a ball stopper he just—it's terrible, and it was tough to watch this year. Sometimes I know all Knicks fans can agree with me on that—that that Randall was one of the worst parts of the season last year. Oh man, he's not terrible, he's not bad, but he's just not a good fit for what he's expected to do with the Knicks. Like they brought him in to be the number one guy, and that was dumb because he's not—he's no more than a number four on a team. I don't think. He's he's good, but he's better off the bench on a good he, team. He said the number four option. 
That's what it is. The fourth option comes off the bench, and that's his best position. I personally, I don't like it. Um, but the biggest knock outside of, you know, running the mitt, running players down in minutes is he's not good in situations where it's a rebuild, where they're not winning now, and young players. Being that y'all have the, one of the youngest teams in the NBA, I don't like the pick of him going, you feel me, as the coach for the young players. I don't think, let's say I draft LaMelo. I don't think that's a good, good fit right there. We saw what he did with D-Rose. I don't – my thing with it – But that why the thing with D-Rose. What could have happened at any point? Get a job. Why can't Mark Jackson get a job? I, I thought it should have been Mark Jackson. I would have took J. Kidd back. I would have took Jeff Van Gundy. Anybody. I – taking J. Kidd over Tubbs? I don't – that's, that's Tom Fuller. Point guard. That's my thought. Point guard, LaMelo Ball possibly coming there. He has a reputation of being better in regards of relationship with players, especially so, younger. So now we're just we're bringing coaches in just to coach one position? They're just a specialist. He's a head coach, but he's here to coach LaMelo up and get him better. But And he's better with younger players. These other guys can get it together too. He's better with young players, though. That's the biggest knock on, on, on Tibbs. I'm not saying that he's not a great coach. I think he's better for a team that's established, that's trying to get over that hump. That's maybe, you know, that five, six seed that struggles on defense and needs to have that winning pedigree. Cool. But on a rebuilding team, I don't think it's the right fit, in my opinion. And my thing with it, I rather my biggest thing is why Mark Jackson cannot get a job. No knock on Tibbs. Tibbs, he has a winning record and all that. But Mark Jackson, New York native, played for the team. He was never gonna get it. Built Warriors Foundation. Nothing was- but reviews from his players. Why can't? Mark Jackson get a job and Tibbs keeps getting jobs. Job after job after job. If this don't work, I guarantee you he'll get another job in two years. I'm just confused on that. I'm not even a Knicks fan. I still think y'all gonna suck. I'd rather would have had Mark Jackson in there. Me personally. I don't think so. I don't, I wouldn't just because I don't know. I He's been out of the game for so long that the game is a lot different than how it was when he was coaching with the Warriors. So there's that. Tibbs has been out for, what, a year or two from coaching. So that could have been a blessing for him because he had time to sit, watch games, take notes, see what he needs to change about his coaching style and and all that. And it's not like he didn't know that becoming the Knicks head coach was a possibility. He's known that since the beginning of the year. So it's kind of like with Tibbs, I see him like growing from his last job with the the Timberwolves where – Hopefully. Yeah, where it was a little different. 
He had Towns. He had Wiggins. And he actually got all those guys to play a little better, too. But at the same time, Jimmy Butler came in there and kind of ruffled feathers. Dog. Dog. He's a dog, but he's, he's not going to work with those young guys. It's not – it's not nothing against them. It's just they're not tough enough for Jimmy. So now they're tough enough for Tibbs. Well, how his personality? They said like he get he gets he gets well like with Jimmy Butler because they have that same type of mindset. And Who's RJ gonna- has that same type of mindset. So I want to see if he can unlock everything in RJ that I expect him to be able to. Because the real issue is having Randall still on the team doing what he does because he really – we don't need him. We we could get away with somebody else a lot cheaper and who's, who's not going to take so many shots and not pass the ball enough. That's his issue too. He doesn't pass the ball. So I think RJ, he could be one of those playmaking wings in this league that can really do it all. But I just wish that we gave him more of an opportunity to show that as a rookie. Because the times he did get to show it, he put up good numbers and some of those games we won because of him. And then I can name a lot of games where Randall lost his games. A lot of them. So it comes down to who the personnel is going to be next year for Tibbs. And I just want to see how the young young guys respond to him pushing them. So I know he's going to come in and push them and expect more. And the only way you get everything you can out of somebody is if you push them hard enough. So hopefully he comes in with that mindset, not knowing that it's not going to take a year to fix things. This has been a, a broken system in New York for a while, just because we've had bad coaching, ownership issues, questionable draft picks. So he's got a lot going against him. I mean, that's why he signed. He wanted a five-year deal instead of the three-year deal that they wanted to give him. So he knows that this is not going to take a short time to rebuild like this, but I think he's up for the challenge. I think where his biggest help was going to be is the front office changes y'all made. Like having Worldwide West there in y'all front office, I think – those additions are bigger additions than even Tibbs because they have such a, um, a good relationship and sports cachet where players are going to probably be able to even give y'all the meetings. You know, lately y'all haven't even been getting the meetings with these free agents. So I'm worrying about getting the meetings and start developing our own players because we, if we keep losing and making questionable picks that don't hit and they don't, stay with the team longer than their rookie deal, then we're just – it's a cycle. We're not making any progress. That's why hopefully RJ can get it done. Hopefully Mitch is here for the long run. Kevin Knox, hopefully he gets What you think about better. him? What you think about his, his season, his rookie season? I mean, his rookie season wasn't that bad if you look at it because he had way more opportunity. But it, last year – they signed Marcus Morris, so we were expecting him to start. 
And then they sign this other guy to come in and start. And now he's taking your minutes and you're not playing enough. And there's a lot more pressure on you to produce in those minutes. But hopefully this year they give him a better chance to succeed. And I think he, he might even be a little better at the four if we play him there because he's like 6'9". Mm-hmm. Hopefully he's putting on weight like 220, 230. Like he's quicker than a lot of fours in the league. So I think that's better than him playing the three so much. That's yeah. just my I was talking about this with somebody the other day. I was just thinking about it like, yo, how do you as a team balance, especially in a big market, New York, L.A., Chicago, where winning is a priority? How do you balance of trying to win and then letting your young players grow? Because, you, like you mentioned, bringing in a Marcus Morris, that's like the growth of Kevin Knox. The Lakers, it's a win-now organization. Every in the conversation. You bring LeBron over, you know Kuzma's not going to be able to grow as he wants, as much as he wants. B.I. can't grow as much as he wants with LeBron there. You can't pass up the opportunity to get a LeBron, but you have these young players that you draft. How do you, you feel me? Like, how do you balance that with trying to win and letting your players be developed? I think it's tough. You can't really do it if you bring a guy like LeBron in because if LeBron's on your team, you're not trying to develop the players. You're trying to win right now. So that's where it kind of hinders the development in that sense. But for like the Knicks sense, all the fans really want is to see some progress at this point. And that's with like any losing team that is trying to rebuild. They want to see the young players play. They want to see them show signs of getting better game in and game out. That's what it comes down to. Like as a Knicks fan, I, it's tough watching the games, but I find short or not short. I find like small victories in different games. Like if like RJ's playing well, he's putting up like 25, 30 points in a game. I'm like, all right, see, we're giving him a chance. We're letting him succeed. We're doing what we can. So he grows which is the main thing. If you want these picks to hit, you need to let them play. You, want, you need to let them make mistakes. That's, kind of, that's where they went wrong with Frank because they never really gave him a, a fair shake. They never – ever since they drafted him, he's come off the bench. He's, got, he's had a short leash. They've benched him for a week or two. Not, I mean, he's had injuries too, but he's also not been given the best chance to succeed. And that's kind of what they did with Kevin Knox last year too. They didn't give him a chance to succeed. And he lost all confidence. Like you could tell he had no confidence in his game after a while because he's going in the game for like three minutes and then he misses a couple shots. Then you see, oh, sub, he gets taken out. And it's like, damn, I missed three shots. I didn't do anything positive. So that, that's that, the thing. I think I don't think GMs and coaches be backing that in when they pick up other pieces like that. Like, I remember listening to Jalen Brown when he said that first year where they had – they played well, and then they brought in Kyrie, mm-hmm. and they brought in Gordon Hayward. He said for him, his confidence kind of went down. And for a young player, that's such a – I think it's such a, you know, a, a thin line walking on of keeping their confidence and letting them grow. And then, hey, especially, for example, in the New York media or Boston – 
yo, why y'all suck still? Why y'all not winning? You got that pressure. New York, you got James Dolan pressure. Hey, we need to try to get some wins. Like you said, on the last, what, four or five years, all y'all coaches have been coaching to try to keep their job. Mm-hmm. Which, that's hurting the players. And as an owner, GM, that's hurting. You're paying them. This is the, these are your employees. You're not letting your employees be in the best position to succeed. But that's what makes it so tough is because with these coaches, they get, they get signed because of what they did beforehand. You know, if they've been under a, a, a coach like Pop or they had some success somewhere else, they'll get a job. But most of the time they're getting a job where the team wasn't doing well and they were rebuilding. So it's kind of like now you're – it's almost a gamble. Like you're, you're betting house money on the coach taking this team that is probably young, taking them to where they could be. And if they don't, then that's where they lose their job. And that's where it's, it's a cycle. Like you don't – you're not going to really be able to develop players if you're <laughs> looking over your shoulder every day. That's just how it is. And that's how it's been with the Knicks. I mean, we haven't had a big-name coach like this in some time now. Probably like Larry Brown or – probably since Larry Brown or Jeff Van Gundy. That's probably the last big name head coach we've had. So I think Tibbs, he'll get the benefit of the doubt to an extent. I feel like our owner just, he's irrational in how he runs the team. And hopefully he gets a fair shake. Hopefully he's given time to try to develop and see some, some sunlight at the end of the tunnel before they, they cut ties with them, which hopefully they don't. But in New York, it's, it's either you're winning or you, you're not. Oh, that's the, that's the last thing I'll say on that is just, I think the expectations should be actually realistic. Don't expect Tiz within the first two years, or we going to the chip. That's where I think, like, you signed Tibbs. That's a big name. He's coached Derrick Rose, Jimmy Butler. He brought the T-Wolves to the playoffs. All these things. But it still takes time. And it is proven constantly, either with James Dolan or the New York media, y'all don't be as patient. Especially, I think Tibbs, it works out because they say he got thick skin. I think that's also where it's a good pick. Because the New York media, one mm-hmm. moment, Hey, Tibbs, he going a two-game losing streak to, like, the Lakers and Celtics. Hey, you suck. Why are we signing? New York media, y'all rough. It is just – it's tough playing in New York, coaching New York. It's real tough. It's a huge market. Um, last thing we're going to close out with this show, we, of course, have to talk about it. Lou Will went on a family emergency and decided to stop – on the way back at Magic City to get some food. Now, when originally it came out, they did not put that in the reports. So some people like Kendrick Perkins was, you know, kind of talking down to Lou Will like he should know better, thinking that he went for extracurricular activities such as the strip club. But that was not the case. I don't blame Lou Will in it. I saw the food that he got. 
The food looked good. Everybody that said that they ate at Magic City. Some people say, they, I, don't, I don't even go for the strippers. The food. I go for the food. I'm looking at the menu. I kind of want to go to the strip club for the food too now. I don't really like strip club. I don't go. It's a waste of money in my opinion. But looking at their menu, they got the wings with honey garlic, lemon pepper, garlic parmesan, Thai chili, Thai chili, ranch teriyaki barbecue. They got catfish nuggets. Like fries. They say they fries is top top five in in this country. Top five fries. So it was all. This is so good that he had to go get it himself. He couldn't have one of his homies from Atlanta go pick it up for him. He had to go in person, you know, taking selfies with Jack Harlow. That's my guy. But this, this is a funny situation because it was. He said he had to leave for personal reasons, and then next day he pops up in the strip club with Jack Harlow. You know he got a he got a house and family in Atlanta, so he probably did. You know he still handled his family business and on the way back. They said this joker orders monthly, monthly. He has them cater food to the not not yo. I'm gonna pick up a meal. He has Magic City cater food to his house monthly. This is one of his favorite restaurants, so he probably wasn't thinking nothing of it. Jack Harlow, the homie, up-and-coming rapper. Why not take a selfie? I don't blame him. That food looked good. Hearing everybody's reviews, they say, hey, out of 10 times, five out of 10, people come for the strippers. The other five come for the food. I mean, they are in the playoffs. It was a calculated risk. He, He knew that he might get out. So what? He misses the first game or first couple games of the restart. It's like, I got my wings, though. <laughs> Those wings, it was worth it. And I'm sure he wasn't, you know, entirely just there for the wings. It's tough to just go to the strip club and walk out with wings. <sighs> I don't know many people who can do that, but if Lou Will can do it, then... We all need to reevaluate ourselves because <laughs> I can't, I can't go in there just for food. And I'm sure uh, he, had, he had bands on him too. So maybe I know I I want to come for the food. I really could care less. I've always felt like it was a waste of money um, going to strip clubs, twenty dollars a dance, and the dance, the song, two minutes. Like nah, bro. Just economically speaking, my pockets never been deep enough to even have fun in a strip club. I come with I come with a four for four basically in my pocket and that don't get you nothing at a uh, strip club. So, no, it won't. <laughs> <laughs> my pockets ain't never been uh, that deep to even enjoy it. I'd rather just have an actual female set of the, the mm-hmm. dancing. Now, now he's got me wanting those wings. I want it. I want yeah. it. Travel to Atlanta and get it, even next though I'm in Georgia. I'm, I promise you, next time I'm in Georgia, I'm stopping there to get something to eat. They even have vegetarian options, bro. What strip club you know serving the Beyond Burgers? They they elite, bro. No. He stopped there for a good reason. I don't blame the guy. I love to eat food. I have, like, three stomachs, so 
I would have stopped for sure. But <laughs> this is the end of another episode of the Bench Mob Podcast. Um, make sure y'all stay safe. COVID is still going on, as we have been mentioning this whole show. COVID is still going on. Stay safe out there. It is a great day to arrest the killers of Breonna Taylor. Bench Mob, we thank y'all for y'all support. Continue subscribing, sharing, liking. Bench Mob, we out. Peace.